once came another man who... Style of tall. Go ahead. I'll be honest. I, I played a very high standard. Young, a superstar. Give some lessons. Determination. Was extremely Welcome to the Chess Underground. Eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. And I felt be down in flames with all the bombs in my style. I felt in the sense of my style and skills. Welcome back to the Chess Underground. Um, I'm your host, Pete Karaganis, and for the first time in show history, I will be flying solo today. Uh, you'll hear only my voice. I want to thank my 10 guests who participated in the first season of the Chess Underground, um, a season which I titled Americana, and I think it lived up to its name. Uh, my, my goal was to give the listeners a feel for and a sense and a taste of what American chess was all about, what the American chess scene was like. And not just playing the game, but being part of that community, being part of that subculture of chess in the United States. Uh, in order, I'd like to thank Eric Vigil, Micah Tui, Ron Suarez, Dr. Jason Jewett, Stacia Pugh, William Aramel, Dr. Henry Getz, Fide Master Carl Boer, Brian Wall, and Garrett Scott uh, for being part of that inaugural season of the Chess Underground. I sort of buried the lead. I have something very special and out of the ordinary today. Um, as season one has concluded and we move on to season two, I'm taking a brief intermezzo, uh, to use a chess term, to cover the 2020 World Chess Candidates match. So in February, the way it's going to work, the schedule goes like this. In February, today, you will be listening to a preview of the 2020 Candidates Tournament, which is coming up in March. We will drop the podcast in March right at pretty much the halfway point of that tournament. So we'll do a brief recap. We'll compare it back to the uh, preview that we've done here in February and see how everything's looking. I'm hoping we'll have a little bit of a special surprise during that show too, but no promises. And then in April, we will do a recap of the Candidates 2020 tournament. After that brief intermezzo, we will get on to season two, which I am very excited to announce the theme, but will not do so today. Um, that's what they call in the business a cliffhanger. Uh, so you'll have to come back to determine what is season two of The Chess Underground. How will that look? Who will be on the show? What is the theme? But today, as mentioned, very thrilled to preview the 2020 Candidates Tournament. I became a fan of top-level chess sometime in college when I remember watching one of the last great human versus computer matches. I believe it was Kasparov. It was not Deep Blue. I think it was Deep Fritz. Um, they had commentary on ESPN with Grandmaster Maurice Ashley. And at that moment, I sort of, my eyes were open to the world of top-level chess. And I really became a fan of some of the players and following their games. And that has lasted to this day. So if you are like me and you are already a fan of following top-level chess, you enjoy uh, some of the storylines, some of the games from top-level chess, welcome. And if you are not, I hope you will find this to be a very welcome introduction to top-level chess, to some of the players, to the formatting, to how everything works, 
And I hope also it will get you excited for the 2020 Candidates Tournament, which is coming up uh, March uh, 15th is the start date to April 5th, 2020. It's being played in Yekaterinburg, Russia. And there are many, many websites uh, you can follow along with the players, uh, the results, the games, that sort of thing. So today we're going to preview that tournament, get into some of the matchups, get into some of the players, give you my thoughts on the upcoming candidates tournament. And not only that, but I'm hoping to maybe make a prediction as well and uh, a betting line, if you will, on the candidates tournament 2020. Okay, so with that said, uh, let's jump right in. The candidates tournament, for those of you who are unfamiliar, this is the tournament that determines the upcoming challenger who will face Magnus Carlsen for the title of world champion. They will play a match against Carlsen, uh, I believe in November, some point in the future, uh, which if Carlsen wins, he remains world champion. And if our challenger wins, of course, they are the new world champion. The candidates tournament in its current format uh, started in 2014. And since then, there, there has been one every two years, so 2014, 2016, 2018, and of course now 2020. One of the things that makes me particularly interested in this year's edition is, of course, we have an American player who is participating in the candidates tournament. Not only that, uh, but we have a... Uh, an American player who was actually the challenger to Magnus Carlsen last year, and that's Fabiano Caruana. Caruana, of course, is the top-rated American player. Um, he is actually the number two-rated player in the world, and uh, he sports a live rating right now as of this moment of 2842, which puts him uh, exactly 20 points behind Magnus Carlsen, who sits atop the rating list at 2862. Now, I, I find that particularly interesting because we have not had uh, an American this close to the crown in a very long time, realistically since Fisher. I mean, we've had some challengers. We've had some players who've played up through the ranks. Um, Gadikomsky very recently. Before that, Yasser Sarawan came close. And, uh, of course, additionally, we have a couple of other players now who are cracking the 2700s in the United States. Grandmasters Sam Shanklin, Jeffrey Zhang, Wesley So. Hikaru Nakamura, and of course, the recently transferred player, Lenya Dominguez-Perez. But Caruana is the only American in the candidates tournament, and uh, I'd like to start with him in our candidates preview. He qualified, of course, as the 2018 World Championship runner-up, and he represents the United States in this candidates tournament. He is the only American player. Uh, the next two qualifiers were the top two finishers at the 2019 Chess World Cup. That's Tamor Rajabov. Uh, he was the winner of the 2018, uh, 2019 excuse me, Chess World Cup. Uh, Rajabov currently in the rating list sits at number nine on the live rating, live rating list, 2765. Rajabov is from Azerbaijan. Uh, the next uh, qualifier for the candidates tournament was Ding Liren. And Ding Liren is a Chinese player. He was the runner-up at the 2019 Chess World Cup, which is how he qualified. He is also the only, uh, the only other player outside of Carlsen and Caruana right now to sit above 2,800 on the current rating list. He's at 2,805. After that, Wang Hao, also a Chinese player, was a top finisher in the, in the uh, 2019 FIDE Grand Swiss Tournament, uh, who did not qualify, of course, by any other method. 
Wang Hao in the live rating list currently sits at number 12, just slightly behind Rajabov at 2762. Okay. The top two finishers in the 2019 FIDE Grand Prix cycle, which was a cycle of tournaments uh, that was held throughout the world, gain qualify, gain um, Grand Prix points for each event and your result at them. Uh, the top two finishers there were both Russian players this year. Alexander Grishuk was the winner, and the runner-up was Jan Nepomnichi. Finally, there's there's two remaining spots. One of them uh, was qualifier by highest average rating. That was Grandmaster Anish Giri from the Netherlands. And the final spot goes to a wild card. This year, it was given to uh, young up-and-coming Russian Grandmaster Kirill Alexienko. And there was some controversy over that. A lot, a lot of players, uh, a lot of, well, shouldn't uh, generalize, but there was a feeling that perhaps Maxime Vashilagrov uh, deserved that final wild card spot. He came very close to qualifying in the Grand Prix cycle. He also came very close to qualifying by rating, but ultimately the Frenchman was left out in favor of hometown favorite Alexenko. Alexenko himself, actually, in a, in a recent interview, sort of decried the, the wild card system in terms of fairness and uh, you know made some critical comments of, of how that system worked. Okay, so what we're going to do now, and, and this was a really interesting exercise. I spent a lot of time going through this and doing it on my own, and I was a little surprised to see uh, some of the results and information I came up with. What we're going to do is we're going to take each player head-to-head, -head, go through the matchup, give their, uh, give their results against one another head-to-head, -head, their most recent game, and then I'm going to sort of take a look from a, from a larger picture at the implications of those results for, for the tournament. Um, and how that may how that may play out. Um, now, apart before we get into that, though, apart from uh, apart from Caruana, only three other players have played in a candidates tournament. So everyone else is new to the candidates tournament, other than Caruana. And experience does matter in an event like this, a round robin event with high stakes. Experience makes a big a big difference, I think. And those players who have played before are Ding Loren and Alexander Grishuk. Both of them played in the uh, twenty eighteen candidates tournament. And Anish Giri, uh, who played in the 2016 candidates event. Now, what's interesting is out of those three players, uh, Ding Luren, Alexander Grishuk, and Anish Giri, only one of those three players has lost a game in a candidates tournament. So that's correct. Out of 42 games played in candidates tournament between 2016 and 2018, Ding Luren, Alexander Grishuk, and Anish Giri. Uh, combined, have lost three games, all of which were lost by Alexander Grishik in 2018. Uh, he had two wins, three losses, nine draws, finished minus one. Ding Li Ren in that same 2018 event went undefeated, undefeated plus one, and one win in the remaining draws. And Anish Giri in 2016 had no decisive results whatsoever. He had 14 draws. Uh, okay, let's get into some of the matchups. This is where I think our preview starts to get very interesting is when we look at the players head-to-head -head records against one another. And, um, and then of course against the field. So that's how I've broken this down. So records against one another. We'll start there. Uh, once we go through each of those, we'll take a look at the record against the field. I'm going to start with Caruana, not only because, you know, he's of interest to me as the only American player in the event, but also because he is the highest rated player in the event. And also because he is the, I guess you could say, the returning champion. He won the 2018 event. So Caruana knows what it takes to win 
this sort of event. And he's done it before, having been there, you know, having that experience counts for something. And of course, being the highest rated, and he's played well recently. Uh, those two things can't hurt either. I think in a lot of people's minds, not only because of the rating, but also his recent performance and the fact that he that he won it last year. In a lot of people's minds, Caruana, I believe, is probably the favorite to win this event. Now, after looking at some of the matchups, I have to say I'm honestly not so sure if that should be the case. But I will leave that for the listener to decide. One of the reasons I think uh, Caruana might not be the odds-on favorite, or maybe shouldn't be the odds-on favorite, is because he is not one of the players in this event with a plus score against the field. In fact, I'm not going to say who they are just yet. There are only two players in the tournament. So of the of the eight participants, there are only two who have a plus score against the rest of the field. Uh, the other six have a negative score. There are no even scores against the field. Caruana is not one of those plus score players. So let's get to the matchups. Here's how Caruana stacks up against each player. Um, against Rajabov. Well, he does well here. Caruana has a uh, plus four score against Rajabov. He's uh, defeated him four to zero in classical games with eight draws. Uh, their most recent game in classical was the 2016 Gashima Memorial. Uh, Caruana won that game with White and Rosalimo Sicilian. Against Dingley Ren, the other 2,800 in the event, very evenly matched. Caruana and Dingley Ren are tied 2 2 in classical games with six draws. Their most recent game was right here in the United States last year in the 2019 Sinkfield Cup. Now, Liren actually won that game. In a, he was a white in a Queen's game at declined. So most recent match, uh, most recent decisive match, I should say, uh, Ding Liren won. Wang Hao against Caruana. This is where it gets interesting. Seems to be Fabiano's kryptonite. Kryptonite, yeah, excuse me. Wang Hao has defeated uh, Caruana 5-0 in classical games. He has five wins and no losses with four draws. Uh, their most recent game was in 2019 also. It was the Isle of Man Grand Swiss. That one was a draw. Uh, Caruana had the white side of a Petrov. Against Grishuk, Caruana, uh, very even again. 3-3, three to three, classical chess, 11 draws. They also had their most recent game in the Isle of Man Swiss. That game, Grishuk was white in, a, in an English. What's interesting about these two is they actually have an incredibly, uh, remarkably close history. Uh, when I dived into their Rapid and Blitz history, they are also tied. So classical chess, they're tied 3-3 three to three with 11 draws. In Rapid and Blitz, Grishuk and Caruana have played each other uh, 36 times. Uh, excuse me, 54 times. They have 36 decisive results. It's 18-18. And if you're doing your math, that means they also have 18 draws in <laughs> Rapid and Blitz. So a nice round number there. It's almost like they were going for it. Okay, Caruana Nepomnishi. Nepomnishi has plus score. It's plus one out of seven games. Six draws, one win in favor of Nepomnishi. These two also met in the 2019 edition of the Sinkfeld Cup. That game was a draw. Uh, Caruana was white in a Nydorf. And what's interesting here is when I looked at their rapid uh, blitz, etc. history, Nepo has a pretty sizable lead. He's up 7-2 in rapid and blitz with four draws. It's not too relevant here. But it is interesting to look into. Okay. And finally, uh, oh, not finally, excuse me, second to last, Caruana actually has a plus score against Anish Kiri. Uh, although the heavy favorite here is a draw, they've played each other 30 times. 
in classical chess, according to my database, 25 of those games were drawn. Uh, of the five decisive results, Caruana has a plus one score. He's up three to two. These two played very recently. They played earlier this year in 2020 at the Tata Steel Tournament in Vicanze. Uh, this was a draw. Uh, Giri had the white side of a, of an Imzu indeed. And against the wild card Alexienko, Fabiano has not yet played him. So they have no games. We have no uh, history between these two players. Now that's something that's sort of a recurrent theme. As I go through these matchups, you'll notice a lot of these players have faced each other quite frequently, quite often throughout the years, with one notable exception, and that's Alexienko. So he is indeed a true wild card. We don't have much statistical data in terms of how he's performed against the field. And that could that could sort of throw a monkey wrench into uh, into the into the tournament. Uh, I, I wonder if it may even favor those who do have some experience playing him and know what he's about, know what to anticipate. Being the lowest rated player in an, in an event like this is almost a blessing in disguise. You know, you have you have the ability to score upsets. You don't have the burden or weight of expectation. And in, in Alexenko's case, uh, he also has the what, what I think is probably an advantage of a little bit more anonymity or unfamiliarity than, than some of the other, other players might not have that. You know, they know they're fairly familiar with one another from top level events and from, from years of playing them. Okay, moving on. Uh, Ding Li Ren, let's look at his matchups. Now, we already talked about Li Ren versus Caruana, so we're going to skip that. Uh, we're going sort of in a, in a grid format here, if you can picture that. So uh, each time we come to a new player, we don't have to worry about their matchups against the ones we've already covered because we already talked about them. So Ding Li Ren, uh, let's start off at the top of the grid against Rajabov. Li Ren is up 2-1. to one. Uh, They've had seven draws. Their most recent game was the 2019 World Cup. Remember, that's how, that's how Li Ren and Rajabov qualified for this event. And in that game, uh, classical game, Rajabov won the tiebreaks. In the class, classical game, uh, they were drawn. So it was a one-half, one-half. Uh, Liren had the white side of an English in their most recent game. Oh, I'm sorry. Rajabov is next up on my on my grid here. So Rajabov against Wang Hao. Uh, they have played five times. They've all been drawn in classical chess. What's interesting about these two is they have not played one another since 2013. I remember in that time frame, Rajabov took a little bit of a break. They've not played each other since 2013. Uh, and, th and that, their most recent game was actually a, a rapid match. Uh, they both won a white game against one another in that rapid match. But you know, that's seven years ago now. Uh, so a little unfamiliarity there as well. Rajabov versus Grishuk. Uh, these two are tied two to two. They've had 13 draws. That's the most likely result. Uh, their most recent game, much more recent than 2013. They played last year in the Gashimov Memorial. Grishuk had the white side of Queen's game, but accepted. It was drawn. Grishuk, sort of sort of true about the entire field. He has a, he has a pretty nice plus score against Rajabov in Rapid and Blitz and etc. Um, he's up 13 to 6. You're not counting draws. You know, it's uh, decisive games only. So we'll see if we'll see if that has any effect at all on what happens here. Okay, Rajabov Nepomnishi. They've played four times. Rajabov won once. The other three were draws. He's got a plus score against Nepomnishi. They also played recently. They played last year, 2019 Dortmund event. Rajabov uh, had the white side of a Sicilian Nidorf. That was a draw. Rajabov versus Giri. 
Also, Rajabov up 1-0 to zero in decisive games. They've played more often, though. They've met 12 times in classical chess. 11 of them were drawn. Again, most recent game was the 2019 Gashimov Memorial. Giri had the white side of the Queen's game declined. And interesting here, Rajabov has not lost a game against Giri in rapid or bullets. Again, a theme you'll see quite, quite frequently here. Rajabov, Alexanko, no games. They've never met. Okay. Dingley Run. Dingley Run actually became, in the 2018 candidates, he became the first Chinese player to ever qualify for a candidates tournament. As mentioned, sort of at the outset of this preview, he did not lose a game. Uh, he had plus one, minus zero, 13 draws. He was the only player at that 2018 edition without a loss. He didn't lose a single game. So he's an interesting player to keep an eye on throughout this event. Uh, not only is he the second highest rated behind only Carolina, he has experience. He played in 2018 and he has yet to lose in a candidates tournament. So, hmm. okay, let's see how he stacks up against the field. Uh, first, against his countrymen. Now, remember, we're not going back and seeing how he did against Rajabov and Carolina because we've already covered that. Let's start with his matchup against Wang Hao, his countryman. He's up six to two. He's got a plus four score against him with seven draws. They most recently met last year in the Yinju Cup. That was a drawn uh, game, Slav defense, Wang Hao was white. What's interesting about these two is that even though Ding Liren has an edge in classical chess, Wang Hao actually is up 3-0 in rapid and bullets. Okay, moving on. Against Grishuk, Ding Liren, 2-0. Two wins, zero losses in classical chess, eight drawn games. Most recent game was also 2019. This was the World Cup. Um, Liren uh, won the white side of an English and actually, I believe, knocked Grishuk out of the World Cup. Uh, again, remember, this is how Ding Liren qualified to participate in the 2020 candidates tournament. Against Nepomnishi, Ding Liren is tied. One win, one loss, seven draws. Uh, their most recent game was also right here in the U.S. 2019 Singfield Cup. It was a drawn game, Yoko Piano. Against Anish Giri. Also a very equal score, 2-2 two two with 20 draws. They've played each other quite a few times. Most recent game here, though, Liren even the score. Uh, he won against Geary in a Queen's Gambit Rogozin. That was also in the U.S. 2019 Sinkfield Cup. And finally, against Alexeyenko, Ding Liren has actually played him. Uh, they've drawn two games. They've played twice, both draws. Their most recent, uh, in fact, their, their only meeting was in the, the 2019 World Cup. So that's where they played their two classical games. They were both drawn. Uh, Ding Liren won both of his rapid games to advance, so he won the mini-match to advance, but both classical games were drawn. Okay, next up, we've got Wang Hao, the other Chinese player in the event. So if you're following along, that means Wang Hao is the second Chinese player to qualify for a World Championship Candidates event. We've already covered several of his matchups, so let's start here with Grishuk. Wang Hao versus Grishuk. He's got a plus one score against Grishuk. He's got two wins, one loss, five draws, and they haven't met since 2017. And they played in the, they played in the uh, Chinese league, and that was a short draw. So not, some, not so much uh, recent, uh, recent experience between these two. Uh, Wang Hao against Nepomnishi, the other Russian player in the event. Uh, well, other of three, I should say. Uh, they have played four times. They each have a win and two draws. They have not played each other since 2016. Uh, they met in the Hainan Danjou tournament. That was also the a drawn game. Nepo, as he is known, had the white side of an English. 
Now, what's interesting is these two played each other in both the 2018 and 2019 World Rapid and World Blitz events. They played five total games between those events. Out of those five, Nipomnishi won two, both of them with white, and the other three were drawn. All right, finally, Wang Hao against Geary. He's up three to one. Three wins, one loss, three draws in classical chess. Um, their most recent meeting was the 2013 FIDE Grand Prix. This was uh, Wang Hao drawing with white in a Slav. Once again, we see the theme repeating itself. Wang Hao versus Alexienko, no games. They have yet to meet in classical chess. Okay, moving on. We're almost through. And then we're going to look at the real numbers, get into the meat of it. Uh, Grishuk. We've covered Grishuk's matchups with Karwana, Rajabov, Liren, and Hao. So that leaves Nepomnishi, his fellow countryman. Grishuk has tied with Jan Nepomnishi, 2-2, two, two, two wins piece, six draws in classical chess. Uh, their most recent meeting was at the FIDE Grand Prix 2019. This was held in Moscow. It's so part of that uh, qualification cycle for the candidates tournament, actually. Uh, Grishuk had the white side of a Petrov. It was drawn. They do have a rather extensive Rapid and Blitz history. They've played a ton of games against each other. Grishuk has just the tiniest edge there, so I don't think it's too relevant in predicting how that may play out. Okay, um, continuing on. Uh, Grishuk against Giri. Giri actually has the edge. Uh, he's up 2-1 to one in classical chess. Two wins, one loss for Grishuk. Excuse me. Two wins for Anish, one loss for Grishuk. Uh, they've had 11 draws. Their most recent game was a short draw. Grishuk uh, was white in the 2019 Gashima of Memorial. Um, Grishuk has played Alexeyenko, who's one of the few players in the field to have done so. Uh, they don't have an extensive history. They've only played twice. Grishuk won one game. The other was drawn. And that draw was the more recent of the two. It was in the 2019 Isle of Man tournament. Uh, Grishuk was black in a Yoko Piano. They have played also, in addition to the two classical games, one rapid game. Uh, this was in the 2018 World Rapid Championship. Grishuk won that game. So it's interesting. It's, uh, technically, two wins, one draw lifetime, if you count the rapid. All right, moving along in the grid. We've only got a few games left here. Giri Nepomnishi. 3-2 in favor of Giri. He has a plus score against both Russians. Uh, they've also had two draws. Their most recent game was in the 2019 Sinkfield Cup. Pretty common. We've noticed that tournament come up quite a bit. Uh, Giri uh, won that game, actually. White side of Grunfeld. Uh, long game, but a uh, nice win by Giri. Nepomnishi. Nepomnishi versus Alexeyenko. They have played uh, only once, and it was 2019, so last year's World Blitz Championship. Nepomnishi had the black side of Nydorf and won. And what's interesting here is I have a note, and I'm not even sure if we should count this, but Giri and Alexeyenko actually do have a game in the database. What's fascinating about this game is it was played 12 years ago. Anish Giri in 2008 was 14 years old, and Kirill Alexeyenko was 11 years old. They played in a youth tournament. Giri, who is now high 2700s, I believe has broke 2800 in the past, at the time was rated 2344. Alexeyenko, Kirill Alexeyenko, who in the live ratings at the moment, pulling those up, it's not even above 2,700 at the moment. Um, but in 2008, Alexeyenko's rating was only 2,137. <laughs> now, 
So I don't think we can really count this game in terms of our standings purposes, and I'm not going to. Geary did win that game, but he had three years and 200 rating points on the opponent. So take that with the largest grain of salt you can find lying around. Whew, catching my breath. All right. So I've just spat a lot of numbers at you. Now, the reason I wanted to go through that in such detail is because it actually paints a very interesting picture at the end of the day when you collect and collate and look at all of the data. And the picture that it paints centers around their score against the field. And in one particular case, their score against the field who are not from their country. As you know, we have three Russian players and two Chinese players in this tournament. As I mentioned before we started the preview, the entire field has a negative score against each other, except for two players. Now I'll go through that name by name and explain what I mean. When you look at each individual player's results versus the field, Caruana, if you go back through and listen to all those results again, against the other seven players in classical chess. Now, I should clarify here. I'm taking draws out of it. I'm only counting decisive games. So draws, you know, they, that's just a null set. Equal score. We don't need to count them. I'm throwing them out. When you throw out draws, Caruana against the field in classical has 12 wins and 13 losses. Now again, we're throwing out all the draws. I get that. So it's minus one in decisive games against the field. Actually, that's pretty good. That puts him in a tie for third place, a three-way tie for third place. Alexeyenko doesn't have many games. Again, remember, I'm throwing out the game he played against Geary. So in decisive games only, not counting draws, Alexeyenko is 0-1. He has no wins and one loss in classical games against the field. Again, throwing out draws. I grant you that. He is also minus one, a very generous minus one. We're throwing out draws and a game played when he was only 11 years old, which I think is fair to him. Nepomnishi, also minus one against the field. Seven wins in decisive games, eight losses in decisive games, and of course, a bunch of draws. So those three players are tied at third. There are two players above them with a plus score, and there are three players below them with a minus score. Let's go down first. We'll go down the list first. Geary sits at minus two in decisive games against the field. He has 10 wins and 12 losses. Again, many draws which we're throwing out. He's at minus two. And then we have two players at the bottom with the worst score against the field at minus three. And that's Tamor Rajabov and Alexander Grishuk. Rajabov is at five and eight. So he's got five wins and eight losses in decisive games. That puts him in at minus three. And Grishuk has 10 wins and 13 losses. That puts him at minus three as well. Which leaves, interestingly enough, the only two players with a plus score against the field in decisive games only of classical chess. And that's what we're playing in this tournament. We're not playing rapid, we're not playing blitz, we're playing classical. The only two players 
with a positive score against the field are Ding Liren from China and Wang Hao from China. Wang Hao is 13 and 9 against the other seven players. 13 wins, 9 losses in decisive games. He has a plus 4 score against the field. It's pretty good. Remember, Caruana, objectively the favorite, maybe. Is that minus one against the field? Wong Hao's at plus four with 22 decisive games. Caruana had 25 decisive games. He's got a five-game edge against the field compared to Caruana. But Ding Li Ren, Ding Li Ren, 2805 rated Ding Li Ren, who did not lose a single game in the 2018 edition of the Candidates Tournament. Ding Li Ren is at 15 and 8, which puts him at plus 7 against the remaining 7 players against the field. That's a really remarkable score. When you consider the cluster, 6 players, including last year's challenger and world number 2, 2842 Caruana, 6 players are clustered between minus 1 and minus 3. Caruana, Nepo, Alexeyenko, Giri, Grishchuk, or Jabov. They're all clustered somewhere between minus one and minus three. And here's Loren at plus seven. And there's an other interesting statistic here too. Wang Hao, if you remember, as I was reading through the head-to-head matchups, the individual matchups between the players, just going to go back and reread one of those in particular for you. Wang Hao against Ding Li Ren. Ding Li Ren defeated Wang Hao Six to two. Now, if you take that result out, so that would put Howe at minus four in that matchup, right? In that head-to-head matchup. Versus players who are not from the same country as he is. Wang Hao is 13 and five. He's at plus eight against everybody but Ding Liren. Sets up to be a really interesting candidates tournament, if you ask me. Really interesting candidates tournament. You know, on one hand, we have a lot of very young players participating. We have a lot of very young players participating. I I would be very curious to see where this stacked up. I did not look up average age, but I would think it would be on the lower end. Giri is 25. Alexanko is only 22. Jan Nepomnishi, 29. Ding Liren, 27. Wang Hao, 30. They're all on the younger side. I think the oldest player is Alexander Grishuk at only 36 years old. If I've got this correct here. Or Jabov 32. Yeah. Very young field. Inexperienced in some ways. Remember, in this candidates tournament, only Liren, Giri, Grishuk, and Caruana have played in a candidates tournament before. Of those players, Grishik and Ding Liren are the only, well, and Caruana, excuse me, to have won games, those three. Giri still has yet to win a game in a candidates tournament. It's a very interesting field. Now, when you play in an invitational tournament like this, where you know the players in advance, you know the pairings in advance, it can really make a difference who plays who when. Now, to that end, round one, March 17th, 2020. Okay, you know, the opening ceremony, greeting the players, March 15th. 
Tournament finally gets underway March 17th. Round one might be really important. Now, when you have a 14-round tournament, it's kind of hard to believe that that's true. You know, the first round can be so important. But anybody who's played in one of these, and I haven't, I've played in, you know, invitationals, 22, 2300 level players. It's nowhere near the same caliber, but momentum matters. And getting an early victory can really make a difference. Now, listen to this, this round one matchup, okay? Caruana is 4-0 against Rajabov in classical games. Has never lost to him. And he gets to face him in round one. It's his first opponent. His best matchup is round one. Now, he'll be black in that game. Rajabov has white. Caruana's black. But starting off against... Uh, Objectively, his best matchup, that could really help. Now, what's more interesting is in that same round, that same first round, Ding Li Ren also gets his best matchup. Remember, he's 6-2 against his countryman, Wang Hao. And they have to play each other in the first round. And Ding Li Ren has white. I really think this first round could go a long way if either of those results emerges decisively could go a long way in determining what happens in this tournament. Now, speaking of matchups, you know, if you remember, Caruana's worst matchup, he's 0-5 against Wang Hao. So it's, it's sort of like his, his kryptonite in this event is Wang Hao. He's never won a classical game against Wang Hao. Very lopsided score. And if you look at the, the scores of you know, players in the field versus other players in the field, Caruana's 0-5 against Wong Hao really sticks out as one of the more lopsided scores. However, the pairings help Caruana quite a bit. He does not have to face Wong Hao until the very last game of the first half. Now, the way this tournament works, it's a double round robin. You play everybody once with white, you play everybody once with black. So eight players... Seven games for the first half, seven games for the second half. Round seven, the last game of the first half, and by the way, coming off of a rest day, Caruana gets white against Wang Hao. Now, that, I'm going to guess, is probably the dream scenario in terms of pairings for Caruana. I don't think you could have asked for better pairings than that. You get objectively your best matchup, in the very first round, albeit with black, okay, but you get your best, at least on paper anyway, score-wise, you get your best matchup in round one, and you get that black out of the way. And then you don't get your worst matchup until the absolute last game of the first half, coming off a rest day, and with white. Really sets up nicely for him. Really sets up nicely for him. That said, it's really hard to ignore Dingley Run's massive plus score against the field. It's hard to ignore the fact that he has yet to lose a game in a candidates tournament. He's been playing well this year. His rating's above 2,800. I'm going to go on record despite the favorable matchups for Caruana. And by the way, 
they mirror each other too. So whoever you get in round one, you get in the first game of the second half, round eight. So after that break, after playing Wang Hao in round seven, Caruana gets a little break there. Rest day. Oh, excuse me. There's no rest day between seven and eight. But he gets to go right into round eight with white against Rajabov, his best matchup again. So he'll have white against Wang Hao and then white against Rajabov, two whites in a row. Oh, that could be a critical stretch as well. We will be checking back in right before that critical stretch. So we will see how the results have gone so far heading into round seven and eight. But I'm going to go on record the official Chess Underground prediction. And remember, dear listeners, prediction is not necessarily who you are rooting for. It's sort of a for fun, futile gesture made by, I guess, podcast hosts with the goal of entertainment value. And so that much later, um, all of you can point and laugh and tell me how wrong I was. My prediction after looking at the numbers, after looking at the matchups, uh, recent play, recent history, I actually think Ding Li Ren is in the best position to win the 2020 candidates and challenge Magnus Carlsen for the title of world champion. Now, if true, that would be the first time a Chinese player has reached the world championship match. I think it would be very exciting. There would be lots of drama. And I think that's a match we could all look forward to. Of course, I'm also on record as a fan of Caruana, the American player representing our country. What's interesting is I think the matchups in terms of score against really sets up nicely for Ding Li Ren. The matchups in terms of pairings, I don't know, but I, it seems to me like Caruana, Caruana could not have asked for better pairings if he tried. Um, I'll just go through the first half really quickly, and you can mirror these over to the second half. So after his best matchup on the board in round one, uh, remember he's got a plus four lifetime score against Rajabov. He plays him in round one with black. Round two, he gets his first white of the event. Always a nice, nice thing to have. And he gets it against the lowest rated player, the youngest player, lowest rated player, Kirill Oksanko, coming off of my best matchup, if I'm Caruana, I then get to walk right into round two, sit down with the white pieces against arguably the, the biggest underdog in the field, Alexanko. Round three, flips back over to black. Now, this could be another really critical matchup. Remember, against Ding Li Ren, Caruana is tied. Okay, They're two to two in decisive games against one another, um, and they've had six draws, so very evenly, evenly matched. Round three, Caruana gets to play Ding Liren, and he's back to the black pieces, right? So Liren, Caruana, round three could be a really, really important matchup, especially if Caruana can get off to a hot start against his best matchup or job of round one, least experience, you know, underdog wild card Alexanko round two. He could theoretically be rolling into round three, two and oh, and facing off against his toughest competition. Dingley Ren with the black pieces. That would be really exciting. Round four, he gets white against Nepomnishi. He's minus one against Nepo. 0 oh, 1 in decisive games. Round five, uh, black again against Anishigiri. I think that the favorite there is probably draw. Round six, black again. That's going to be a tough stretch there against Alexander Grishuk, one of the other players with 
significant candidates experience and the oldest player in the tournament. And then as mentioned, round seven, his toughest matchup on paper in terms of, you know, lopsidedness, win loss, Wong Hao, but he'll have white will be coming off a rest day. It's really interesting stretch for the American. So I hope you guys enjoyed this little preview of the 2020 candidates tournament. I'm a big fan. I will be watching. I hope you will too. I would love to hear uh, listener predictions after you've heard me lay out the numbers for you. I've gone in depth on a couple of the matchups. Who are you rooting for? Who do you think will win? Have I changed your mind? Have I swayed you in any way? Please leave a comment. Let me know. Again, to recap, the next two episodes will be covering the 2020 candidates tournament. I think it's a very important moment of chess history that deserves attention. And it gets a lot of attention in Europe, I think, uh, India, you know, China, I think now as well. I want to draw, draw it into the spotlight in America as well. You know, we have an American competitor. We have quite a, quite, quite a top five in the U.S. right now, realistically, you know, between Caruana, Nakamura, So, Dominguez, Zhang, and even Shankland, that would be six. Top level chess in America is probably in the best shape it's been in a long time. And having a player with the USA flag participating in the candidates tournament is a big deal. So we're going to spend some time on it. It's a great transition. It's a great segue in between season one and season two anyway. Uh, So again, just to recap, March, we'll be back checking in on the tournament. April, we'll do a recap and we will introduce season two for the first episode. Uh, as well as the theme of season two of the Chess Underground. And I hope to see you guys then. In the meantime, finishing, wrapping up 10 episodes. This is episode 11. We had 10 guests. Wrapping up season one, Chess Underground Americana. It's been a pleasure. I hope you've all enjoyed it. This is your host, as always, Pete Karianis. From a distance. Thank you for listening to the Chess Underground, a U.S. chess podcast. Please check out our entire suite of podcasts, which release every Tuesday, and include Ladies' Night with Jen Shahad, as well as Chess Life cover stories and One Move at a Time with Dan Lucas. Until next time, signing off, Pete Karyanis.